Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Today, we are looking unto Jesus. Today, we are reminding ourselves of who He is, of what He has done, and of who He is for. Looking unto Jesus. God bless you. You may be seated. I uh, need not rehearse in detail the expected and not so expected challenges of 2020. I could list them, but, but I will not. You're, you're familiar with them. And yet on this final Sunday of 2020, I rise not to deny or dismiss these challenges that we have all faced to various degrees. But I rise to direct our attention this morning solely upon our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To remind us again that He is the author and He is the finisher of our faith. To remind us that He thought that we were worth saving. That we were the joy that was set before him. So he endured the agony and the disgrace of the cross. To remind us from the word of God of what I pray we all know, that God is for us. Would you look at your neighbor and just tell them, God is for us. Similarly, the writer of Hebrews wrote to New Testament Christians who were facing challenges no less intense than what we face today. Knowing his Jewish audience was under intense cultural and circumstantial pressure to capitulate to the demands of the Jewish tradition and to abandon their faith in Jesus Christ. And so the writer of Hebrews made both a blunt assessment and a direct appeal in Hebrews 10 and 35. He wrote, Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. Don't Cast away your confidence in a season of struggle. You have need of endurance 
Because if you will faint not and grow not weary in well-doing, you will reap and receive. The writer of Hebrews then goes on to rehearse that inspiring list of Old Testament heroes who exemplified the kind of enduring, obedient faith that he is urging us to embrace. The men and women who are listed in Hebrews chapter 11, they serve as irrefutable evidence to the unstoppable power and possibilities of God-pleasing faith. They were imperfect people, but they nonetheless successfully lived out this fundamental truth of Scripture that we find in Hebrews 11 and 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. It is inadequate faith that simply believes in who God is. God-pleasing faith must believe in who He is and must believe in who He is for. That God is for me. And if God is for me, then who can be against me? Turning from this exemplary list of faith heroes, the writer shifts his attention now squarely upon his audience, including you and I here today. In Hebrews 12 and 1, we read in our text, Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily besets us and, or ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. To be sure, 2020 has not been kind to many of us, but our personal sufferings, the isolation that we may have experienced, the disappointments we may have faced, and the challenges we have endured, they are not unprecedented to people of faith. You see, we are surrounded by an impressive host of witnesses who are not merely spectators politely giving golf claps when we do well. But these men and women have run the same race that we are running. They face the same challenges and worse that we face. They experience the same sufferings and worse that we experience. And yet they successfully finish the course. And now the writer of Hebrews says, we also must now run the race of eternal life. It's now our turn to follow their example of faithful, obedient faith and confidence in God. But make no mistake, and anyone with experience understands that we are running in a marathon. This is not a sprint, of course. We are running a route of faith that demands spiritual commitment and endurance. And to this end, the writer of Hebrews is clear in his inspired instruction. Let, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. I'm not presenting anything new today, but what was true for those first century Christians 
remains true for us 21st century Christians. If you and I are to successfully finish the race of life, if you and I are to finish the course of faith, then we too must be willing to divest anything or anyone that would hinder us from living by faith, walking in the Spirit, and fulfilling God's purpose. If it's sin, certainly it has to be eradicated from our life, for sin immediately trips us and disqualifies us. But it may not be sin. It may simply be anything that handicaps our ability to run freely. Anything that distracts our focus from being solely upon Jesus Christ. What hinders me may not hinder you. But the writer of Hebrews says, In this race, finishing this course must be the most important thing that matters in our life. It must be what matters above all. And so let us lay aside every weight. It's not an argument of is this heaven or hell. It is a matter that this hinders me. This handicaps me. This distracts me. It's not about what you do. It's not about what a list may say. It is about that I am running a race of faith. And I am looking unto Jesus. And finishing this race matters more than anything else. And so I divest it from my life. You may enjoy it, but I divest it. It may not bother you, but I divest it. And I lay lay it aside. Running this race. So hear the words of Hebrews again. We also... Surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside. <laughs> Amen. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. The magnitude and the unity of this host of witnesses is inspiring, but even they in all of their exploits, and in all of their glory. Even they are not our ultimate encouragement and our ultimate hope. This is why the writer of Hebrews did not stop in verse 1, but he continued, looking unto Jesus. Thank God for Abel. Thank God for Noah. Thank God for Moses and David and Daniel. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Thank God for Sarah and Abraham. Thank God for those whose lives have the heroic endings we love to recite. Thank God for those who were martyrs, sawn in half, but successfully accomplished God's will in their life. But they can only do so much, and their story can only inspire so much. That's why the writer of Hebrews says it so clear, short, sweet, but profound. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of faith, our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, he despised the shame, and he has sat down on the right hand at the throne of God. Jesus Christ alone is that preeminent example 
and encouragement for you and I today. Jesus Christ alone is the reason above all that we can boldly face our circumstances. Jesus Christ alone is the reason we can just keep on running one step in front of the other. Jesus Christ alone is why we can live with expectant hope even in the 21st century. For he is the champion of our salvation. I need not recite to you the symphony of scriptures that affirm what the writer of Hebrews writes here, but may I remind you of a few. Isaiah declared, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, and yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Paul would write to the Romans, but God demonstrates his own love toward us, that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. He is the author of our salvation. He is the author of our faith. But he is not just the author, he is the finisher of our faith. As Peter would write, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. You who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. He is our Savior, but He is our Keeper, and we are kept by the power of God. It was Paul who wrote to the Philippians, being confident of this very thing, that He who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Paul, or the writer of Hebrews, and I today simply invite you and I to look unto Jesus. He is the author and he is the finisher of our faith. Whether we are experiencing the thrill of the miraculous or the agony of suffering, we must keep our gaze focused on the Lord Jesus Christ. Looking unto Jesus, we must diligently rehearse this indisputable truth that for the joy of our redemption, for the joy of our reconciliation to God, that Jesus Christ resolutely wrestled in desperate prayer in Gethsemane until he could obediently live out that prayer, not my will, but your will, Pete Tine. We must recite often to ourselves that for the joy of you and I being in relationship with God, Jesus Christ silently suffered the taunting 
He endured the beating and he suffered the humiliation of the cross for you and for I. For the joy set before him, he stumbled up Calvary's hill, battered beyond human recognition. For the joy set before him, he willingly laid down on a cross with all of heaven's armies standing at abdetention waiting to come down and rescue him. For the joy that was set before him, Jesus Christ disregarded the degrading disgrace of dying by crucifixion. We look into Jesus. We recite, we remember today who he is and who he's for. May I remind you that Jesus Christ did it all for you and he did it all for me, for the joy. Looking unto Jesus, we would be well served today to not only recite the passages that we have made mention of to not only remind ourselves of our text in Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, but looking unto Jesus, we should also recite regularly Paul's timeless declaration to the Romans, which seems to maybe be a theme for this month. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, if you believe that God is for you, if you really believe that for the joy of your salvation he endured the cross, despising the shame, then who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect. It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen and who is even at the right hand of God who makes intercession for us. If God be for us, who can be against us? If God be for us, who can condemn us? And if God be for us, who can separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things, Paul would write, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor death, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. If God be for us, who can be against us? If God be for us, who can condemn us? If God be for us... Who can separate us? I know 2020 hasn't been the best. I know there's uncertainty of, of, before us. 
and it feels like what good is a New Year's resolution? What good is a dream? What good is a goal? We don't even know what's going to come tomorrow. But can I simply remind you today that what has always been remains true, that you and I can look unto Jesus, the author and the finish of our faith. We can face suffering, we can endure isolation, and we can walk through the fog of uncertainty. And we do so because we understand that if God be for us, uh, who can be against us? It's not a fairy tale. It's not a cliche. It's not something we recite for mental therapy. It is the timeless truth of God's holy word that if he is for us, who can be against us who can condemn us and who can separate us and we know that the resounding answer of the bible from front to back is nothing and no one not sickness not pandemics not crushed economies not disarrayed dreams nothing and no one can separate us condemn us or be against us. So let's not end this year with a whimper. Heads down, shoulders slump. Let us square our shoulders. Let us lift our faces. And let us turn our eyes towards Jesus. Let us be remembered, be renewed by remembering who he is and who he's for. Let us make room in our lives for his purpose to be executed fully. Let us dedicate ourselves to live by faith and to walk in the Spirit. Whether we face 2021 with dread or delight, whether you look into a new year with hope or hopelessness, whether you feel the surge of adrenaline or the tsunami of anxiety, whether you have clarity or you face uncertainty, let us boldly march into a new year with expectant hope and enduring faith, knowing that come what may, God is for me. Why don't you look in the mirror and realize that the only evidence that should matter in the determination of your attitude and your actions in every single day that you live is this timeless irrefutable truth that Jesus Christ endured the agony and the suffering of the cross because he thought you were worth saving. He faced the certainty of death so that you could face the uncertainty of tomorrow. He triumphed over death, hell, and the grave so that he could cause you to triumph in all things. And he did it all for you. And he did it all for me. He did it for the joy that was set before him. And I just come to tell you one more time through a rough call and through stumbling words, but to tell you from the word of God that God is for you. And you need to look in the mirror and you need to declare it with boldness. If God be for me, then who can be against me? Lift up your eyes and behold, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. And so today, looking unto looking unto Jesus, we receive communion today in remembrance of not just who he is and remembrance of not just what he has done, 
but in remembrance of who he is for and in remembrance of what he is going to do. And before we do so, it is important that we all heed Paul's instructions that we first examine ourselves. Paul wrote to the Corinthians, So anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty against sin, against, of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. That is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. So we pause today to examine our own hearts. No one can do it for you. It's not my evaluation. It's you examining your own heart. We repent of sin. We make sure that we have reconciled any unresolved conflict with a brother or sister so that we sincerely are discerning the Lord's body, the church, and we embrace a reverent attitude to our Lord and Savior. And so would you join me where you're at sitting and let's spend a moment in prayer as we prepare to remember our Lord and Savior. Lord, today we stand upon your word. And we are grateful. And God, we remind us, we remind ourselves of how great you are. What you've done for us. God, we reflect that you are the author and the finisher of our faith. But before we remember, before we honor, and before we celebrate, Lord, search me and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Create in me a clean heart and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Lord, together, each of us, we examine ourselves, our thoughts, our attitudes, our actions. God, we repent of unbelief. We repent, Lord, that you would ever become dim in our vision. We repent, Lord, that our memories would become dulled by our circumstances. We remember... We repent and we restore, Lord God, our faith that you are for us and we reverently honor you this day. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We've examined our hearts so that now we can receive communion together as the body of Christ. I will give instructions from 1 Corinthians and give time for those who are joining us online. So if you have your communion cup, you'll want to have it ready. Paul told the Corinthians, For I have received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, 
eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Now let us eat the bread, the symbol of the broken body of Jesus Christ. And Paul continued, in the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Now let us drink the juice, the symbol of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Would you now lift up your hearts and hands in heartfelt worship to Jesus Christ? If you would like, you're welcome to stand looking unto him, the author and the finisher of our faith. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord God, that for the joy. For the joy of my salvation. For the joy that I could be reconciled to God. For the joy you endured. You resolutely endured, God, the agony and the humiliation of the cross. You despised the shame, but you endured. And now you are enthroned forevermore. And we exalt you as the enthroned Lord of all. And because of who you are, we boldly come before your throne. Knowing, God, that if you are for us, there is no one who can condemn us. You are faithful and just to forgive us when we confess to you our sins. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Would you lift up your voices in your heart and would you honor him today? Thank you, Jesus. Come on, lift up your heart. Lift up your voice. Looking unto Jesus, you thought we were worth saving, God. 